Uh, good morning to you all once again, and grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are currently in the midst of our series in uh, Jesus' seven I Am statements from the Gospel of John. Last week we were in John chapter 10, where Jesus said, I am the gate for the sheep. And he said this to let the people know that the only way for them to enter into a safe nurturing relationship with God was to go through him. There were and still are many other gates that we can choose to go through, but the only one that leads to forgiveness and salvation is the gate of Jesus. And we are the sheep that need to be led through the gate of Jesus because we need his forgiveness. We need his love, his mercy, and his grace. We need his protection and provision all things that a good shepherd does for his sheep. And that's where we're headed this morning. Because Jesus goes on in John chapter 10 to say, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. This statement comes right after where we left off last week. So I invite you to please take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of John. And I invite you to please stand with me as you're able for the reading from God's Word this morning. This morning I'll be beginning in verse 11 and reading down through the end of the chapter, verse 21. If you're following along in the Pew Bibles, it begins on page 759. So John 10, beginning at verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep, so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father." At these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Oh Lord, as we look at this passage and this next statement, this next I am statement of yours, open up our eyes to see you as you truly are, as our good shepherd. And Lord, uh, show us what that means to us in our individual lives and as your flock here at Yellowstone Church. Lord, as always, I pray that as we look into this passage, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So Jesus continues on in his teaching about the shepherd and his sheep by telling the people that he is the good shepherd 
and that the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And we know this to be true, don't we? Because we're told in all four gospel accounts and throughout the New Testament that Jesus willingly went to the cross to suffer and die for the sins of all mankind. As he says in the passage, he has authority to give his own life and to take it back again. So he willingly went to the cross. So he not only told the people that the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep, he actually went and did it. And our forgiveness and our salvation is all based on our good shepherd doing just that, laying down his life for us. But Jesus spends some time here talking about the difference between the good shepherd and the one who was simply a hired hand. And he says that the hired hand doesn't own the sheep. And in verse 13, he says that the hired hand doesn't care for the well-being of the sheep. That the hired hand will abandon the sheep and run away when he sees the wolf coming. He'll allow the wolf to attack the sheep so that the flock scatters. Going back to last week's message, Jesus had equated the Pharisees and the religious leaders to the ones who tried to enter into the sheep pen by any other means besides the gate. And then they were the ones who taught others that they could enter in by other means than the gate as well. Well, Jesus here extends that analogy. And he's saying that, that those who were their supposed religious leaders really didn't care about them and didn't have their best interests at heart. I'm reminded of what Matthew wrote in his Gospel in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, where it says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless. Remember what it says next? Like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus is saying that the people of Israel, especially at this time in their existence, are like those sheep without a shepherd. Their spiritual leaders are not leading them to good pasture like we looked at last week. Their spiritual leaders are not having their best interest at heart. He says the good shepherd is the one who knows his sheep. As we saw last week, he knows each sheep by name. He knows each one of us by name. And he leads his sheep out to good and safe pasture. Because this is what the sheep need, and the good shepherd provides for all of the needs of his sheep. But Jesus goes on in this passage to say that he has other sheep that are not of this sheep pen and that he must bring them in as well. In saying this, he was letting the Pharisees and the religious leaders know that salvation wasn't only for the Jewish nation, but was for all nations. He was telling them that he was going to lay down his life for his sheep and those sheep included people who were not of the nation of Israel. Quickly look at the response of some of the people at the end of the passage. This man is raving mad. He's, he's demon-possessed. Don't listen to him. They still couldn't understand what Jesus was saying, but some of them said, he can't be demon-possessed. Can demons open the eyes of the blind? They were referring back to uh, what Jesus had just done for that man who had been uh, blind from birth that we looked at last week in the previous passage. So here in John chapter 10, we have Jesus claiming to be the gate for the sheep, that anyone who enters in through him will be saved. 
And then we have him saying that he is the good shepherd and that the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. What else does a good shepherd do during the day for his sheep? Well, I think we can get a good picture of what this means from the the psalm that Steve led us through earlier today, Psalm 23. That psalm begins with these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. So the shepherd provides what is needed for the sheep every day. The shepherd will get the sheep up and moving while they're still dew on the grass in the morning. That's one of the ways the sheep get their water each day. He gets them up and moving in the cool of the morning before the heat of the day sets in. Because if they can graze on grass that's still wet with the morning dew, they'll be more refreshed and have more moisture in their bodies to help them get through the day. Then the shepherd will move them from one place to another to keep them in areas where they can be protected but also have good grazing. Those sheep shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Sheep actually need to lie down and rest in order to properly digest their food. So the shepherd will lead them to a safe place, a quiet place, where they can lie down and and chew their cud. Have any of you ever seen that? Sheep and cows, they, they chew their cud. They can't digest their food very well if they're standing up, moving around, or especially if they're frightened. They need to feel safe. They need to feel secure. That's the shepherd's responsibility, to lead them to a place of security, a place of peace. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I I love that phrase. Do you feel peace? Do you feel security when you are in the presence of your good shepherd, Jesus? He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Did you know that sheep can't swim? Sheep can't. And they don't like to be around moving water, especially water that's moving quickly or rushing downhill. It scares them. If a sheep ends up in a rushing stream, it's not going to last very long. So the psalmist says he leads me beside what? Quiet waters. That's what the sheep needs. Quiet waters, peaceful waters, with the calm reassurance that their shepherd is right there with them. And our souls as well are restored when we can find rest in and enjoy the presence of our shepherd. And that can't happen or doesn't happen very well in the hustle and bustle and busyness of everyday life. We need those quiet times, those times of quiet and rest and relaxation and calm, just like the sheep do in order for our souls to be at rest. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. The shepherd will always lead and guide the sheep to whatever and wherever will be of the most benefit for the sheep. Because left alone, sheep will tend to wander and get into trouble. Left alone, sheep will actually decimate a grazing area until there's nothing left. Sheep, when they graze, they don't just nip at the tops of the blades of grass. They don't just trim the grass when they graze. They'll grab a hold and they'll pull up, a lot of times actually bringing the roots up with the grass, and then the grass just doesn't grow back very well after that. If they're not moved around, they will destroy pasture land. 
It was this destructive nature of the sheep that set off those range wars between the cattle ranchers and the sheep herders in the West back in the late 1800s. Because the cattlemen would come upon what used to be good grazing lands, acre and acres of land that had just been decimated by the sheep. And well, that didn't put them in a very good mood. So the sheep had to be moved around. And it's the job of the shepherd to lead them, to guide them, so they'll be safe, so they'll be full, but not destructive to themselves or their environment. Do we allow our good shepherd to guide us daily in our lives as well? The paths of righteousness here, for us, refer to the righteousness that we have through faith in our good shepherd, Jesus. Through faith in him, we have been given the righteousness of Christ. In following our good shepherd who laid down his life for us, we now have the righteousness of Christ. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that God made him, talking about Jesus, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's what our good shepherd has done for us And I think we would be foolish to not follow him into paths of his righteousness. And again, it's all for his sake, not ours. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. As the shepherd is leading the sheep on a daily basis, there will be danger. There were always wild animals looking for the stragglers in the flock, seeking out the weak. The job of the shepherd was not only to lead the sheep, but to protect the sheep as well. The fact that the shepherd was there with them, with his rod and his staff for protection, that was a comfort to the sheep. What does the Word of God tell us about the dangers that we face as God's sheep? 1 Peter 5.8 tells us that our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So just like those sheep, we need to stay close to our shepherd. We need to be familiar with his voice. We need to depend on his rod and his staff to protect and comfort us. Because, friends, we can't stand up to the devil on our own. We just can't. We're not strong enough. We will lose every time if we try and do it in our own strength. But with our good shepherd fighting for us, we will prevail over the enemy. We can have confidence, along with the psalmist who tells us in Psalm 60, verse 12, with God, we will gain the victory, and he will trample down our enemies. Think of King David. King David, when he was just a shepherd boy, had risked his life on numerous occasions to battle a a lion or a bear to protect his sheep. Listen to David's words to King Saul when David was trying to convince Saul to let him go out and fight against that giant Goliath. David said, hey, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. David, when he was a shepherd, was a good shepherd. He was willing to protect his sheep. In fact, he risked his own life for the life of just one sheep. 
This is what Jesus is telling us here that he does for us. He is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The shepherd would lead the flock to pasture and to water, even though there may be predators all around them. The shepherd was there to protect them, and they could graze and they could dine in peace because they knew that the shepherd had their backs. He was the one who was watching out for danger, and he would protect them even though there might be danger all around them. There was comfort in knowing that the shepherd was there watching over them with his rod and his staff to protect them. There was peace in the presence of the shepherd, and they could graze without fear, even though there may have been enemies all around them. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. The shepherd would not only provide for and protect the sheep, well, he would care for the sheep as well if they got wounded. He would clean them up, and if needed, he would use soothing oils on their skin to help them heal. I don't know if you've seen sheep, but sheep are not naturally clean animals. If the picture you have in your mind of a sheep is a nice little clean white ball of fluff with little eyes and cute little ears and stubby little legs that sparkle, you're thinking of a sheep that's just been cleaned up and made ready for the county fair. Because that's the only time a sheep will look like that. They have an incredible ability to get dirty. Their fleece will act like Velcro as they move from place to place, picking up anything and everything that might cling to them. Their coats need to be cleaned regularly and treated occasionally to keep them healthy. And when they're wounded, well, their shepherd will anoint them with oil to help heal them. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is a phrase of contentment, of confidence in the shepherd, that whatever we may face in life, he will be there for us, guiding us, protecting us, saving us, healing us, preparing the place for us where we will be safe in his presence. The sheep had the same confidence in the shepherd. That's where they were safe. They were in his presence. That's where they were cared for, in his presence. They knew that as long as their shepherd was with them, everything was going to be okay. Do we feel the same way in our relationship with our good shepherd, Jesus? So let me ask you a question. If Jesus is the good shepherd, then what does that make us? Let me hear it. We're sheep, aren't we? Okay. So if we're sheep, and those of you who have been around since the time I began here, I did something similar to this in my first year here. I'm going to have us take a little quick quiz and see how much we really know about sheep. How much do you know about sheep? If sheep aren't directed to suitable pasture and water, what do they do? Do they order Chinese carryout? Do they consult Google Earth to see which way they need to go? Do they send around a petition to be given to their shepherd, or will they fail to eat and drink correctly? If they're not led, they're going to fail to eat and drink correctly. No, Mark, no comments. (laughs) I know my son too well. What best describes the intelligence of domesticated sheep? Are they at the top of the food chain? Are they mensa material? Are they sly as a fox, or are they more correctly described as muttonheads? 
How does it keep sheep keep cool in the hot summer months? Do they visit the Baba shop? Sorry, couldn't resist. Do they wear lighter clothing and drink lemonade? Do they roll down the car window or do they count on their shepherd to shear them at the right time? If a sheep gets separated from its flock, it will stop and ask for directions. Well, unless it's a male. Find a wolf, kill it and eat it. Will a sheep do that? Probably not. Open its own casino in Billings. I had to throw that one in there because they're all over the place. Or it will most likely die from predators or exposure. How does the sheep recognize its shepherd's voice? Because it sounds like Bob Walters? Because he's heard it on YouTube? Because his shepherd has won on the voice? Or because he's heard it every day and has learned to trust it for everything he needs? Which of the following situations poses a threat to someone hiking in sheep country? Being trampled by a pack of sheep? Probably not. Being bitten by an angry sheep? Again, probably not. Being gored to death by an out-of-control sheep? Again, probably not. But having to wear those itchy wool socks, that's a whole other issue. Sheep. Sheep are followers, not leaders. Left to themselves, sheep will simply follow other sheep. But the problem is, none of them have any idea where it is that they're going. You can have a whole flock of sheep, all running in one direction in a pasture. Then all of a sudden, one of them decides he's going to turn and go in another direction. What do the other sheep do? They turn too. They don't think for themselves. They simply go, well, he turned, right? We're not like that, are we? Do humans simply follow whatever the crowd might be doing at any given time without thinking? Sheep are dependents, not independent. Sheep, out of all of the domesticated animals, need the most supervision. They are totally dependent on their shepherd for what they need. And left to themselves, they have an unlimited capacity for getting into trouble. Sheep, when left unattended, will tend to wander off on their own. We're not like that, are we? Are we? What does Isaiah 53, 6 have to tell us about our own tendency to wander? We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has laid on our good shepherd, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. We've all wandered away from the guidance and provision of our shepherd. But our good shepherd has provided all that we need in laying down his life for us, even in our waywardness. Shepherding is a 24-hour-a-day job. Isn't it great to know that our shepherd Jesus never sleeps and he watches over us all day long? Sheep are generally stupid. I'm not going to say anything more about that. <laughs> Sheep need protection from predators. Sheep don't have any way that they can defend themselves. The only thing they can do when faced with predators is to gather in closer together as a group. This is that whole, that whole strength in numbers thought, right? And sometimes this works, especially for the sheep that are the ones in the middle of the flock who are at least going to have a little cushion between themselves and whoever's on the outside of the flock trying to get to them. And we can feel safe sometimes too when we are gathered together as believers, as one body of Christ. 
But what happens when one of us peels off from the herd and wanders off on his own? Is that person usually fast enough to get away from its attacker? Is it strong enough to defend itself? That's why we need our shepherd and why we need to be part of the flock because we can't make it on our own. Sheep can't keep themselves clean. We talked about this earlier. They are dirty animals that without the care of the shepherd will just keep getting more and more filthy each day. Sheepskin is full of an oil called lanolin. This lanolin comes through the skin and actually coats the wool. It does serve a purpose in that it conditions the wool so that the sheep can stay warmer when the weather gets colder. But this oily wool is one of the most effective dirt-catching devices known to mankind. Every time a sheep lays down, grass, dirt, leaves, burr, dust, anything imaginable will cling to its wool. And they cannot clean themselves up. How about us? Isaiah shows us our own filthy condition when he says in Isaiah 64, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We need the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus shed on the cross for our sins to wash us and make us clean before holy God. Because just like the sheep, we cannot cleanse ourselves. Sheep frighten easily. When sheep get frightened, they will sometimes scatter. This leaves them vulnerable to whatever it was that might have frightened them. The safest place for the sheep is always, always in the company of the shepherd. When we get scared, when things happen in our lives that frighten us, do we run away and hide or do we find strength and comfort in the presence of our good shepherd, Jesus? Lastly, sheep are destructive to themselves and their environment. We've already seen how much damage sheep can cause to good pasture lands if they're not constantly moved around. They can also cause harm to themselves if they're left alone because they don't know how to take care of themselves. Again, are we like that? Can we be destructive to ourselves and our environment? Through some of the bad habits we form in our lives, we can be very destructive to ourselves, and I'm sure if you polled many of the environmentalists out there, they would say that we are equally destructive to this world that God has entrusted to us to take care of. So if we're like sheep, which I think we are in many ways, and Jesus is the good shepherd, doesn't it make sense that we would want to live our lives constantly in his presence? It seems foolish to me that we would ever let ourselves wander away from the one who loves us, who provides for us, who cares for us, who nurtures us, who gives us peace, who guides us, who protects us. Why would we ever do that? But we do sometimes, don't we? And when we do, we're like a little defenseless little lamb that finds itself alone in the wilderness without any protection. I want you to picture with me a bunch of little sheep running down through a valley. And one little sheep from the flock is trailing behind, kind of doing his own thing. He weighs maybe 25 pounds. There's a mountain lion up on a hill behind a rock. This lion is hungry. He hasn't eaten for days. 
And he sees this little lamb lagging behind, and all he can think about is having lamb chops for lunch. So he jumps out from behind that rock, and he starts running down the hill. And his, his claws are ripping up big hunks of turf as he's running. And the saliva dripping from his mouth as he's anticipating this long-awaited meal. And he's almost to where this little sheep is. And the sheep turns and he sees this mountain lion bearing down on him. At this point, this sheep has two options. Option number one, he can choose to fight. Really? Wouldn't that be something? I can just see that little sheep going, meh, come on, I'll take you on. Can't you see that mountain lion going, uh-uh, no way. I don't want any part of that running off. No. It's option number one, the sheep can fight. Option number two, the sheep can run to the shepherd where there's protection and safety. We are all like sheep in this world. And the Bible tells us that our enemy, Satan, is out there like a roaring lion seeking anyone that he can devour. And he wants to destroy our lives. And he can if we're not constantly in the presence of our good shepherd. Satan is strong, but if you take a little defenseless sheep and you put him together with the good shepherd, then that sheep has all the protection that he needs. Because apart from our shepherd, we're weak. We're defenseless. But when we're in the presence of our good shepherd, Jesus, who never sleeps, letting him guide us, direct us, protect us, provide for us, we are changed into the kind of followers that God wants us to be. So I ask you this morning, from last week, whose voice are you following in your life? Let's be people who listen for and follow the voice of, as we're told this week, the one true good shepherd, Jesus, the one who laid down his life for us because he's the only one who's truly worth following. Please pray with me. Oh Lord, as I think of you as my shepherd and me as your sheep, and I think of the times that I've wandered, the times that I've strayed off, and the times when you have left the 99 to come find me and bring me back. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for your loving care for me, for your protection over me each day, Lord. And I pray that each one here understands that you are their good shepherd and that in you there is life and peace and comfort and care and protection. Oh, Lord, thank you that you watch over us as a shepherd watches over his flocks every day. We are lost without you. So work in us each day, Lord. Give us a desire each morning when we wake up to say, Lord, I'm following you today. You are my good shepherd, and I choose to follow you. And then help us, Lord, throughout the day to do that. And thank you for being willing to, to lead us and do all the good things that a good shepherd does for his sheep. Thank you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.